the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please be seated. Welcome to Good Shepherd on this beautiful Sunday. I love the rain. I love the rain because I remember how dry it was last year. And the forest fires that we had. And how choked off life was in this place. And if you went on hikes, like I like every once in a while going off walking through the woods, and you saw how dry the ground was, and the water that poured out of, out of the rocks was not pouring out, and just how it looked like the earth was suffering, that I see this rain, and I go, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because for me, this place where we live is God saying, I love you, Bill. I love you. I love you. I gave this place to you. And you know what? I want you to partner with me in taking care of this place. Right? This environment, this church, these people that I've given you to be with. Because God expects something from us when we are offered that gift. We can receive that gift. We can take our appropriate role in receiving that gift and being good stewards of that. It seems pretty obvious from our readings. You know, you hear about Paul and, and Paul's struggles and Paul's striving. That Paul knows that he's a fellow worker with God. He has a, he has a part to play. Has a part to play. And it seems pretty clear in the gospel lessons that Jesus is talking to those who would listen and reminds them that all of us are called into partnership with God to be partners in the building of God's kingdom. Partnership. God expects something from us. From us. So he tells a wonderful story. Um, there's a, a, a Jesuit um, priest, now deceased. Um, we'll call him Tony DeMello, because that's his name. <laughs> and you like that one? <laughs> what you wanted better at 11 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> so Tony DeMello, in his wisdom, in his wisdom, said the shortest distance between a human being and the truth is a story. The shortest distance between a human being and the truth is a story. And so what does Jesus do over and over again? Tell stories, Tell stories right? And you know why? Because he read Tony Camillo. <laughs> <laughs> but he tells this story because he's trying to reveal something about those who would be God's people and what God asks of us, that we have a part to play. Now, I know there's something in that story that sounds threatening, He'll take the kingdom away. He'll take the vineyard away from those who aren't faithful and give it to someone else. And you can focus on that if you want. Or you can say, you know what that really tells me? That God does not give up on us. God does not give up on us. And God comes to us and reminds us what we're called to be, fellow workers. Fellow workers. Of working to build up the community. Of welcoming people in of welcoming people in, of greeting people and welcoming them in, and making this a place for all people, of being that community, of doing the work of God, doing the work of God. There's a story of a, um, I guess you call them like the person responsible for valet parking for your town. <laughs> He was the guy who had the tribal responsibility for tying up the camels at the end of the day. 
And he had done his work, and he came in to see the tribal chief, and he came to report to him, and he says, well, have you secured the camels? The guy says, well, chief, I did, except there wasn't room for all of them. And so I did not tie up my camel. But I trust God. I trust God to look after my camel. And the chief said, you fool. God will not do for you what you can do for yourself. Get out there and tie up your camel. Get out there and tie up your camel. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility for being stewards of God's creation, of stewards of this parish, of stewards of our existing relationships, of stewards of those new people who come among us. We are responsible for that. We're responsible for that. We're asked to give of our time, talent, and treasure, to give of our hearts for the work of the building up of God's kingdom. This is what God looks for. Sometimes, though, I think perhaps we don't either remember that that is a call that we are all supposed to answer, we forget, or we think it's for someone else. A story is the shortest way between a human being and the truth. So here's a story. The story of a small high school. Could be Hazel High, let's use that. And as things go, amazing as it sounds, Hazel High School had a game schedule against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. <laughs> now you imagine how this game was unfolding <laughs> as the smaller Hazel High School team was being pushed backwards on offense, could not defend themselves against the big linemen who were busting the offensive line, and couldn't seem to do anything to make any offensive progress against them. Couldn't hold the line either way. But yet, amazingly, it was a close game. Nebraska's not having the best year. <laughs> So it was an amazingly close game, and it was coming close to the end, and the coach from Hayesville said, we have one chance. We have one chance to pull this out. We have to score a touchdown. And we have a secret weapon, Calhoun. You see, Calhoun was the fastest human who's ever lived. Faster than anybody on the other side. As big as they might be, the coach said, if Calhoun somehow can make it around the end or through a small hole in the middle, no one will catch him. And we might win this game. And so the coach called the team over and called the quarterback and said, okay, I want you to hand the ball to Calhoun. No matter what happens, give him the ball. And so they go back out on the field, and they line up, and they send the ball to the quarterback. And rather than handing off to Calhoun, the quarterback is sacked. Oh no, this looks terrible. The coach is wondering what's going on. 
well, maybe it's just a mistake. It's still just second down. So they line up again, and they, they send the ball again, and, and again, the quarterback is sacked. Now the coach is screaming. He's like Steve Spurrier. He spiked his visor 20 times. He's throwing his headset. He's screaming, give the ball to Calhoun. Third down. The quarterback gets sacked again. The coach can't believe it. Give the ball to Calhoun. Yes, coach, I know. Give the ball to Calhoun. What are you going to do? I'm going to give it to Calhoun. Yes, this will work. He gets the ball. He goes to turn to give it to Calhoun. He gets sacked again. The game is over. The coach grabs the quarterback and says, I thought I told you to give the ball to Calhoun. Says, yes, coach, you did. Calhoun did not want the ball. <laughs> Calhoun did not want the ball. I think that's like us sometimes spiritually. We know what God calls us to do. We know what we're supposed to be as Christians. We know what we're supposed to be as stewards of the gifts that God has given us. But yet we don't want to receive that responsibility. We want to be like Calhoun, like, no, thank you, Lord. I don't want that. Oops, did you try to give that to me? I don't want that. I don't want that. Sometimes it might be kind of a community thing where we don't want to do those things because we think, well, you know, I'm going to end up having to do it all by myself. So a final story. Because the shortest distance between a human being and the truth is a story. The story of a pastor who had moved to a rural area, maybe like Clay County, and was driving who knows where for what reason. But being new to the area and the roads, managed to find himself driving off the road into a ditch. The kind of thing that could happen. Well, fortunately, it was a friendly community, and the local farmer, the farmer right next to where this happened, saw the accident and came out to see if the person was okay and said, oh, I see you're okay. Well, just hold on a minute. I'm going to go get my mule, Buddy. And Buddy and I will pull you out of the ditch. So the guy, the pastor's waiting, and, and sure enough, the farmer comes back in a few minutes and has this mule and this, this strap and wraps it around the mule and wraps it around the vehicle that's in the ditch. And the pastor's watching, and he hears the farmer say, okay, Bessie, pull. Bessie, I thought you said your mule was named Buddy. And the farmer goes, shh. All right, Jeremiah, pull. Buddy's just standing there. Oh, what in the world was going on? I thought you said his name was Buddy. Shh. And then again, the farmer goes, come on, Clementine, pull. And the pastor's thinking, this is never going to work. You keep using the wrong name. 
<clears throat> then the farmer says, come on, buddy, pull. And buddy pulls. And buddy pulls the car out of the ditch. He goes, well, I don't understand what you just did. And the farmer says, well, you see, buddy's blind. But if Buddy thinks that Buddy has to do this all by himself, Buddy ain't gonna pull. <laughs> buddy ain't gonna pull. You like that? That's good. Huh? <laughs> Our theme for stewardship this year was trusting in God. Trusting in God. Trusting in God's way. Trusting that if we do our part, God will do God's part. Um, several of us have gone down to a ministry in Honduras, the Land Institute. They do all kinds of amazing things there. It's a school, medical clinic, psychological services, group home, rescuing children from, from sex trafficking, all kinds of wonderful things they do. <coughs> it takes about $1.2 million a year to do the work they do. And every year, their budget, every month, their budget is short by $20,000. That's what they anticipate. This is the money that we can expect our partners are going to give us this much money, but we need $20,000 more every month. And guess what comes in every month? They pray it in. They do their share. They take the ball that's handed off. They do their share. And they trust <laughs> that if they're doing the work of God, they're doing the work of God. Or as they say, follow the lamb wherever the lamb leads. If they remain faithful to that, that God will give them the resources they need to do the work they've been set to do. Pretty good. Pretty good. Can we have that kind of faith? Can we have it? Any of us feel like Buddy thinking that we're pulling this all by ourselves? I want you to know that I've turned in my pledge card. Mine's in there. Join me. Join me. Here's the other thing I want you to know. We asked our ministry heads to tell us how much money they need in 2018 to do the ministries that they feel God has called them to do. To pray about that and then to let us know how much money they need for doing the ministry that God has called this church to do, their ministry to do, in 2018. We know what that dollar amount is. It's at least $100,000 more than we've ever brought in. What do you want to breathe? <laughs> you want to breathe? Okay. And admittedly, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. That requires something from us. Something from us. Okay. It requires a response. I invite you to join me in that response. Trusting that if we do what God has called us to do, that if we give sacrificially and faithfully to the work that this church has been sent to do, if we do our part, that God will do God's part. I 
think this will work. I think this will work. And I don't think God's going to give up on us. I 